0: Welcome to the Distinct Poplar Audio Fiction Podcast, written and read by Matt Herzberg from DistinctPoplar.com. This episode is titled, The Gurmlax, Part 2. It would be better to skin the young Girmlach and cook it on a spit. Much tastier than the dry rations, which now had the consistency of sawdust from his absently mashing teeth. And not just the taste. The rest of the dead youngling's remnants would be burned in the fire while he finished his delectable treat. Bren pulled himself from the hole and got a fire going in a city garbage can. With the release pin from one of his traps, he pinned down the corpse of the Girmlach youngling, forcing it through the small head, the jaw, breaking the bones to keep the corpse in place. Then he began to cut away at the animal's rubbery-like skin with his knife, stretching it taut from the head by the end of its tail, slicing away the pieces quickly. Then it was as easy as tugging the tail forcefully and tearing the young girmlack out of its skin. The head would not yield, though, breaking the creature's flimsy neck as he wrenched the tiny body free. Then he sharpened a sturdy stick and impaled the little animal. Digging the stick into the meat to force it through to the other side, he positioned it over the open flame and slowly roasted the youngling, turning it over repeatedly. The smells of the meat cooking made his mouth water. As he turned it over and over again, he noticed something on the animal as it cooked. Closer inspection revealed it to be a small lump on the base of the creature's throat, a budding venom sack that had been ripe until now, where at some point it had been popped open. Very uncommon for a germlack this young to have started growing one already. Venom sacs get removed early from a dead germlack when it comes time to cook and eat. The books say that you won't have to worry about exposing it. Bran had very hastily started preparing the animal to be cooked, not taking the time to inspect it that maybe he should have. He hadn't even gouged out the black eyes of the youngling to keep for later. He had been so consumed with his growing hunger, the insatiable temptations of his memories of his grandfather's stories, unable to resist the mouth-watering prospect of well-cooked germlack. The meat would be tender and delicious. So what if he took a shortcut or two? He had never eaten a germlac, so with its venom sac still intact, he didn't know what would happen next. The hissing and popping produced by the fire boiled the fleshy lump to the point of it bursting. The rest of the meat of the creature might have been exposed. It was difficult for Bren not to justify continuing to prepare and eventually eat the young germlac. After all, an adult's venom was not considerably potent... Mainly it was used as a light intoxicant, whatever that was. But if the meat had been exposed, anything of harm was probably cooked away by the licking flames of the fire. When it came time, all of his reservations disappeared. Bren could barely help himself. He had come too far to get squeamish now. So he gobbled it up. The animal had been cooked perfectly, the meat was juicy and tender, and he ate morsel by morsel, licking his fingertips after each slow, drawn-out bite. He tried to waste as little as possible, practically licking the bones clean, and when it was done, he left them in the fire with the tail and head and skin. Then he set out back home to spend the rest of his evening With peace of mind, after having indulged himself without guilt, he made his way back to the old building that belonged to his grandfather to the very limits of the neighbourhood known as Paradox Park. Lazily, Bren curled up on an old couch in his grandfather's den. All around him, he was surrounded by the rows of growling, snarling, hissing, roaring heads of his grandfather's finest kills. Pieces of them hung from the walls all around him, snouts and tusks and extended ears, three-fingered claws, prehensile tails, long-flowing manes and discarded skins. There were many beasts in his grandfather's collection, all of them strange and exotic, and some of them so rare the world might never see them again. Bren could name all in his sleep. He knew everything there was to know about what the animals ate, where they were from, and how to break them for domestication. If any of them were to come his way now, he'd like to think he could track them, and, if need be, hunt them for food or for sport. But there wasn't one single germlack among them. Wait! What was that? Bren had heard something. A sound that interrupted the admiration of his grandfather's collection. A sound that came from downstairs in the basement. The kind of sound that nobody liked to hear when they were alone. It was the sound of something out of order. Something that never happened normally. The sound of something that would not stop unless he got up to check on it. Bren sat up from the couch, perfectly still and afraid to move. Large, wide eyes and shallow breaths hoped that the sound would not persist. However, when it did come again, his ears were suddenly full of it. A loud, scratching sound that could not be denied or forgotten, like the metal edges of tools being slowly slid across a chalkboard at school. It came again when he stepped out onto the first of many old wooden steps that plummeted down into a spiral staircase. His flashlight was shaking back and forth in his outstretched hand from the unsteadiness of fear. He was vulnerable in a way that was difficult for him to accept, and now it was that vulnerability that ate at his stomach. But yet the sound would not stop, like the scratch, scratch, scratching of an edge on a metal pot, something that made him feel like there were pins and needles stuck into the back of his neck. Eventually, Bren made his way round and round and round to the ground, sweat on the palm of his flashlight handle, as he gripped it tightly at the ready. The beam showed the way to the animal pens in the basement, all of them empty except for the family of Girmlax. The light of the flashlight revealed three sets of glowing eyes and the sound that had agitated him. The younglings sunk down as if to admit the simple guilt of the situation. The mother had apparently regained some of her strength, enough to try to escape. The sound that he had heard was the sound of her claws grating against the wire mesh of the cage in which they were kept. But this was more than a simple one-off attempt. The mother was injured further from it. Her claws were caught in the wire mesh itself. Some of her scratching had frayed the mesh just enough to the point where it had become coiled and she had gotten tangled up in it. Attempting to rest herself free had only made her injuries worse, which was evident in the blood oozing from her pebbled scales. The boy set down his flashlight and opened the pen quickly. The younglings could sense the amount of urgency he carried with them. His hands reached in to pry the mother free as the babies hissed at him. Tiny extended tongues, curved eyes, and tails that rattled back and forth like a snake. Bren knew that if threatened enough, the younglings would come to the aid of their mother, but he had to risk it. If he could pry her free, the mother could be nursed back to health. Left in the pen, if he was hesitant due to the reaction of her young, things could only get worse. He was able to remove her quickly and make his way back up the stairs with her bleeding in his hands. He left everything behind urgently, retreating into the dark. He set the mother down on the kitchen table and inspected the damage. The wounds were deep but fresh, and he could still apply medicine to help them mending and restart the healing process. The problem, however, wasn't from her injuries, but instead from the fact that she would not eat. After hours of care taken to stop her bleeding and treat her wounds, the most important thing for her to do was eat. Still too weak to get up under her own power, Brent surmised that he would have to feed her by hand. He took the syrup from a vial he used to sweeten the bait in his traps. Spreading it across his finger, he eagerly offered it to her, practically smearing the sticky substance onto her lizard-like beak. Unfortunately, she would not take anything from him, and the boy became desperate and worried. The mother Girmlach turned away from what he offered. It was as if she didn't trust him any longer. The same animal which he had gathered up into his arms without provocation earlier that day. Now it seemingly would have nothing to do with him. Bren began to fret. He began to think of the many reasons why the mother was rejecting his help. For if she would not let him help her eat, then she would continue to get weak and die and he would have another dead germlack to dispose of. Perhaps it was from the fact that he had caged the family. Perhaps it was that he had taken them away from their territory. Perhaps it was the smell of her dead youngling on his skin. Maybe she could smell the scent on him, where he had thought he was safe. Perhaps it had been too long a time that the creature was dead, and by handling it for such a long time when he skinned it and prepared it for cooking. Perhaps the scent of its death was now all over him. He would need to decide what to do with her, and needed to decide quickly. It angered him, this horrible luck. Without the mother, he would be forced to raise the younglings himself. When the mother died, he would have to deal once again with the possible scent of death. As soon as the mother died, he would have to do something with the body and quick, lest her babies have the same adverse reaction to him, and then they would die as well. Then there would be no opportunity to raise them, and that was what Bren had been hoping for all along. The visions he had experienced all day, of becoming just like his grandfather. All of it was disappearing right now, right in front of him, And it was all because of the fact that this creature would not eat. I'm not letting you go to waste, Bren shouted, at the weakened animal, as it rested its head painfully in the mounds of rags he had constructed as a makeshift bed. In anger, he grabbed the mother, Gurmlak, wrapping his hands around the rubbery skin of her throat. He squeezed. The creature too weak to resist her eyes began to widen and lapse her tongue slipped from beneath her saurian beak losing its moisture and drying in an instant life faded from her he had strangled the animal in anger the sticky syrup left a glaze where his fingers had wrenched around her throat the popping snapping breaking of her flimsy bones an impression was on his skin that he could not dismiss. Then he got the stew pot ready, and the cutting boards, and the sharp cooking knives. He arranged the vegetables and spices gleefully across the tabletop. Girmlack soup used to be his grandfather's favorite, and even now he began to salivate at the thought of trying it. No light tease of a taste this time. Eaten out in the city at night, sitting in a hole, ashamed of his actions as he licked the tasty youngling clean of its soft tenderness. No, not this time. Now he would have a feast prepared for himself. Al Brennan Luck had been the man who had brought these exotic creatures to the cultured palate of the rich and noteworthy. Now Bren would take pride in eating the last adult gurmlach nobody had ever seen. but he had to be careful this time. That's right. He must remember to remove the venom sacs, not let them burst open and expose their potency to the soup. Wait, what was that? Bren heard something. Bren heard that sound again. It was the same scratch, scratch, scratching, and it filled his ears completely. How could this be? He checked the countertop where the Girmlach corpse had been left. She was still where he had left it, coiled up to be cleaned and butchered. But yet the noise persisted, exactly as it had before, when the mother's claws struck the wire mesh that kept them enclosed. He didn't want to investigate. The reluctance came from letting the dead mother sit when he could chop off her head and stew the meat for his soup, a meal that would last him for a while. The broth and the succulent juices from the germlac meat would dribble down his lips, a smell he would relish for seven days, his belly full as he sat in under the gaze of his trophies, or uh, his grandfather's trophies. He went down to the basement anyway, paranoid about the condition of the younglings this time. At the base of the stairs, the flashlight blinked from its place on the ground, flickering like a beacon up ahead at the pens. He finally came to the pens and immediately noticed that he had not only left everything there, but had forgotten to latch the doors closed securely. He picked up the flashlight and shined the beam of it to the back, The younglings were slowly crawling out of their cage through the wire mesh, a tiny hole that had been scratched open by claws that could only have been bigger and sharper than those of the tiny Gurmlak babies. Bren heard hissing. It came from the younglings as he approached. It was as if they knew of his horrible sins, not just eating their dead sibling, but strangling their mother and, of course, the hundreds upon hundreds of gurmlax that had been hunted to the point of extinction from a long time ago. The hissing creatures were fixed in their warning pose on the other side of the mesh. How they had gotten through was unknown to him, but he would need to recapture them quickly. I've lost my patience, he warned them, as his heart pulsed rapidly in his chest. Maybe I'll eat all of you as well. He dropped the flashlight to the side and crouched down as he made his way to the back of the pen. Leaning down, knees slammed into the cold concrete basement floor. He eagerly sent out grasping hands to gather them up. They scattered in front of him. Their faces retracted their tiny tongues. But the hissing did not stop. It came from behind him now and as he turned to face it he found himself staring into glassy black orbs that now glowed unwholesomely in the reflection of the flashlight. A girmlack has excellent night vision. Their eyes soak up the ambient light. It was another adult girmlack. The sire, the father of the babies, his lighter coloring embraced a pink that even in the muted darkness looked impressive. The hissing continued. The sire's tongue was forked at the end, and Bren could see droplets of venom forming at the edge of its beak. Easy, he tried, and no sooner had the words left his mouth than the sire leapt upon him. Down on his hands and knees there was no chance to defend himself against this attack. His hands, he splayed them out in front of him. His palms extended. He planted his face down on the floor, for it was an easy target for the creature's venom. It was only a temporary solution, however. Girmlacks are cunning and creative animals. The sire wrapped around his arm and bypassed his head entirely, latching onto the back of his neck. At first it felt like pinpricks, until trickles of warm blood soaked the collar of his shirt he could feel his heart begin to race inside of his chest. His breathing hastened, and his arms began to go numb. The old books had said that venom was harmless to a point, but what was it doing to him now? Like pins and needles in the back of his neck. The weakness overcame him. The germlac held onto the back of his neck. He could hear it breathing hastily, while struggling to hold its place. He could feel the tip of its tongue tickling randomly over the wound, a slow drip, drip, drip of blood pounded in his eardrums. Finally it released him, and he collapsed onto his stomach. The heart pounding within his chest felt as if it could explode at any moment. It took all that he had left to roll onto his back "'seizing his fingers which gripped at his neck "'as if the pain could be dug out by scrambling fingers. "'And yet he couldn't help but strain amongst his horrible struggle "'so that he might catch a glimpse of what had become of the youngling Girmlax. "'His face paled, his eyes dilated, his body broke out into a sweat, "'but he could see the sire as it gathered up his children.' They bounced around him, racing around the legs of his clawed feet, their tiny tails hooking and spinning around and around and around. When they were done, the three were coiled completely around the sire's legs. And as soon as they were done, the adult male bounded off into a cracked hole in the basement wall from where it had most likely burrowed in to find them. Bren smiled. It was something that had not been in the bestiaries, those old dusty tomes. The way that the younglings had secured themselves for travel, it was an oddity that had gone unnoticed in all the years that his grandfather had spent around these fantastic creatures. And as the pain of his chest hurt less and less, as his breathing shallowed and calmed, as the light of the flashlight ceased blurring his vision, Bren took comfort as his strength slowly returned, and he began to recover from the attack. Comfort in the fact that the chances were likely that he would be the only one who would ever see such an amazing thing. For everyone knew that Girmlax were extinct. You've been listening to The Germlax Part 2 by Matt Herzberg. Copyright August 30th, 2017. For more episodes like this one, as well as ebooks and other details about the city of Distinct Poplar, feel free to visit our website at distinctpoplar.com.